But what Joseph finds out is that he may be promised prosperity and promotion, but there's going to be a pain of a pit. There's going to be an imprisonment on a false accusation and a betrayal. And I just want to talk to the person that's here today and you know that God has marked you for something incredible. Your heart is full of dreams. You're, you're, you're aspiring. God spoke things to you and you know that there is greatness on the inside of you. You've been obeying that voice. You've been walking in accordance to that voice. But now all of a sudden in this season you find yourself in an incredible measure of pain. And you're saying, but God, what about, what about the prosperity? What about the promotion, God? What about the good things you've seen me? Why am I having to go through this? I hear in the Spirit, even this morning, some of you praying and you're saying, God, but why this? God says, for I know the plans that I have for you. You may not like them. There may not be every intricate detail of the plan that you could see when you said yes. But you have to trust the author of the plan. You have to know that it, this may not have been a part of your story, but it's a part of his story in your life. And you, may, you, you don't have to like everything you're going through, but you do absolutely have to trust him. See, I find it amazing that while Joseph is in the pit, he never lost the dream. Joseph is betrayed and imprisoned, and he never lost the dream. And I'm speaking to some people right now under the sound of my voice, and you've been going through some things. My God, I'm telling you, I feel this. But God sent me this morning to simply tell you that you may feel like you're dying, but the dream is still very well alive. You may feel betrayed, but God says, I haven't traded in the dream. You may feel like everything is against you, but God says, if I am for you, what can or who can be against you? Somebody needs to believe that it may not look like the way you wanted it to, but God is still in charge. I came to tell you this morning, God is still in charge. Can you give him some praise? That regard Regardless of the pit, Regardless of the imprisonment, God has not forgotten you. Man, I want to—I I just got to obey God for a moment. I'm telling you, there is people under the sound of my voice, and you feel like God has forgotten you. And it's the silence that is adding to the suffering. It's the praying and feeling like God is not hearing you. But you're still holding on to the dream. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not into your own understanding." But in all of your ways, what ways, God? All of your ways. The good ways, the bad ways, the painful ways, the spiteful ways, the hurtful ways. In all of our ways, acknowledge Him. He will direct your path. For I know the plans. I know the path that I, has, that I have for you. So it's like this. Here's the remedy. That God, I may not trust the process, but I trust the one that designed it. I may not trust the plan, but I trust the author of the plan. In, in all of my ways, God, whether I'm in a good season, a bad season, a hurtful season, regardless of what I am, I'm going to acknowledge you. See, I think there's power in the acknowledgement of praying and saying, God, I don't like this, but I still love you. God, I don't like how this went down, but I still will acknowledge you. You're still God. You're still good. You're still for me. 
So before we jump into the word this morning, I want to pray over the Josephs that are in this house this morning to the person who is full of promise, prosperity, and promotion, but you're finding yourself in a pit this morning. To the person that has a dream, but it feels like you're dying in a prison cell somewhere. Father, I thank you that you said in your word that if we draw close to you, God, you would draw close to us. God, we're thankful this morning that you said in your word that if we acknowledge you, all we got to do is acknowledge you. I see you, God. I see you. I trust you. I love you. I believe you. That if we'll just acknowledge you, You'll direct our steps. God, I'm thankful that that person may just be one that's under the sound of my voice this morning that needed to hear this quick word of encouragement. That God, they may feel like they're dying, but the dream is not. And God, I'm reminded in Genesis where Joseph is standing on the other side of the pit and the prison. And as he stands there, the dream comes to pass as his brothers who threw him in the pit, stripped him of his coat of many colors, come and bow at his feet and they don't even know it's him. Joseph has a moment that he could get revenge, but instead he issues grace. And he says these words that will become words that are echoed all throughout history and now upon even the tongues of many believers today, that he looks at him and he says, what you intended for evil, God turned it around for my good. And it's in that moment where he could have issued a repercussion for everything that they put him through. But see, Joseph realized standing on the other side that regardless of everything he had to go through, though people left him, people lied on him, people betrayed him, God never left him. God never lied. And what he said to him when he was standing in that field as a young boy, he saw it in his later years as an older man. He found out in that moment that what everything the enemy tried to do to destroy me, everything the enemy tried to do to kill me, he could not because if God be for me, who can be against me? So Father, I thank you today that Joseph's are in this room and you haven't left them. God, you see them where they are, and God, you put it on my heart to stand up and speak these words. And God, it may be the very reason, the only reason why somebody came today to hear and be reminded. My God, I feel the Spirit of God so thick in this room. Can you just lift your hands in this room and reverence the Spirit of God? He's like a river flowing in this place, full of mercy, truth, and grace. Lord, some trust in horses and some trust in chariots. God, we will call on the name of the Lord. You are our refuge, our strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run in and they are safe. Father, you have thrown both horse and rider into the sea. We are your people and we have been delivered from the plans and and the design of destruction that the enemy had for our lives. God, you are leading people out out of pits and out of prisons this morning and they are walking into promise. Things that you spoke to people even in their younger years are suddenly coming to pass. God, we believe it. Not by might nor by power but by the Spirit of the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus. Will you shout to the Lord and give God some praise in this place. Come on, I said shout to the Lord. I said, shout to the Lord. I don't think football stadiums should be louder. I don't think race.
church should be louder. I don't think clubs should be louder. I think the redeemed of the Lord should say so. Hallelujah. 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 You may be seated all over the house. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and ask them this morning and say, are you blessed? Every single one of you need to go ahead and respond right now and say, say, yes, I'm blessed because I'm here. I'm here. Y'all, we've been in a series the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to conclude this series today. I've been talking about the concept of blessing and what it really means to be blessed. And, you know, I've had, I've had struggle in times past to my own failure of probably not instructing and teaching as much when it comes to finances in the ministry because, you know, I don't ever want to be known somebody that would add to the stigma that's already in churches that people be like, oh, you show up and all they want is your money. And anybody that's been with me will tell you this is probably the first message I've preached on finances within the last 16 to 17 months, and I'm not celebrating that. Because really what I've done is I've done a disservice to the body. But I'm going to be honest with you, Dominion is incredibly financially blessed. We are completely a debt-free ministry. Come on, give God some praise. But under, understand what that means. So I, I'm saying that to say this, like this is not a... a a campaign message to increase tithes and offerings. This series is not about that. And I think anybody that's been here the last couple of weeks, how many of you would say that this, this series is absolutely changing your life? Come on, yeah. Shout. Shout now or forever hold your peace. And so it's changing your life and it's giving you a, a revelation of really what it means for you to be blessed. But when I say dominion is a debt-free ministry, like we have to understand something. That's like, because I, I think we get so we get so confided in this room. But like, let me break it down for you. Like a debt-free ministry, right? That we see, I can just talk last year. You know, we saw over 100 people give their heart to the Lord last year. We saw over 200 and some people be baptized last year. We've watched our children's ministry, Dominion Learning Center, explode. We had houses given to us this last year. Y'all forgot about that? Yeah, a whole house right across town that eventually would be used for ministry. Oh, maybe you forgot. A whole 10 acres out there on the bypass that every person, come on. We launched a Sumter campus this year, completely debt-free. Come on, come on. We launched an Iglesia campus that meets every Sunday night here at 5 and they're seeing souls saved. Come on. So, so hear what I'm saying though. Like God is, is prospering the ministry and God is blessing the ministry. I, I'm going to say something that's going to sound really bold. There's a lot that I'm going to say today that's going to sound really bold, but I think that's a lot of the reason why a lot of you are here is you get sick of sissy preachers. This is not a message to a dying church in hopes to revitalize it. We're one of the fastest growing ministries in the area. So hear me. This is not a last ditch effort to try to shift the finances in the ministry because, oh my God, if we don't, we're going to have to have budget cuts. No. Let me give you some more financial freedom. This message is not to make you give. And if you think it is, please take anything you were thinking about giving right now and put it, wrap it up, put it in a Ziploc bag, pour it in concrete and take it with you. We don't want it. We don't need it. It's not about that. This is about empowering people to realize what God's plan was for, for them since the foundation of the earth. I am a man that through the concepts of what, you've got to understand something. I'm not getting these messages off Google. I had somebody ask me, I had somebody ask me yesterday, like, when do you get time to study? I was at a wedding and they asked me, when do you get time to study? And I was like, I don't have to. I just go to Google, print it off, and then it's there. She rolled her eyes at me. It's like, whatever, liar. 
That's good that she didn't think I ever really was going on Google. But what I'm sharing with you is real life tools that God has shown me through the years. My brother's here this morning and he'll tell you that the man I am today, I've come a long way. My whole family will tell you that. That the man that stands on this stage doesn't come from a line of preachers, more like a long line of alcoholics. And it's the reality that I showed up here in the South Carolina with $250 to my name and two trash bags of clothes and hitched a ride and sold everything that I owned except for my new Harley that I hadn't sold. So I trusted it into his care to sell it for me. Y'all remember me telling you the story? He wrecked it, never told me about it. Yeah. There was a, there was a whole message in that. Gosh, he feels terrible for being here now today. And so anyways, what I'm saying though is what I'm about to share with you is a revelation that took a man that I, I've had nothing. Listen to me. I know what it is. When I moved here, I, I was living off of ramen noodles. And I remember going because I was renting a room because I couldn't afford my own place. So I was having to stay with a buddy of mine. And I know what it's like to go to my cabinet. I had some of my food and totes and boxes. And I know what it's like to go get the ramen noodles in the corner of it. The, eight, the rats had ate the corner of it. And I had to break the corner off because I didn't want to eat what the rats had eaten. But I had nothing else to eat. I know what it's like to be working a job where you feel like you're living paycheck to paycheck. And so much so, I was having to shake the wheel on the car back and forth because it was payday. And if I could just get to work, I could get my check enough to get gas in my car and get home. See, I know what it's like. This is not somebody that's been silver spoon fed. If anything, uh, my family will tell you that anything I've ever gotten in life, I had to work extremely hard to get. Never was anything given to me. But this is what I found out, is what I'm about to share with you this morning, what I'm about to release to you this morning is in the conclusion of this message, I'm going to recap some things because this is what I know. It's been God's plan for your life all along for you to be blessed. Matter of fact, if you will, stand one last time with me for Genesis 1 and the reverence of reading God's Word. Genesis 1, verse 27. I've got to recap and break, but then I'm coming for you this morning, all right? And if you're new here this morning, just duck. Because I'm, I'm going to come for the ones that they call this place home. Oh, y'all real quiet this morning. Glory to God. Nothing like going to church, getting a black eye and a swollen toe. Take your shoes off. Here we go. Y'all ready? Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God. Then God. Then God them and God said to them be fruitful multiply fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth father we thank you for your word today we thank you that it is real it is live it is active it is sharper than any two-edged sword God, we thank you that today the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, will slice and divide the soul from the Spirit, our flesh from our spirit man, from what we want to be to what we're called to be. God, we thank you that as the Word goes forth, it will accomplish that which you sent it to accomplish. And no one is here by accident. No one is here by coincidence. For it is the Spirit of the Lord that draws men. Father, you have drawn us to this place. Now we ask that our hearts would be open to receive what thus saith the word of God and that our minds would be renewed, that we would be able to take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. God, don't just change the outside of church folk. Change the inside. Touch our hearts, touch our minds, that we would be empowered to prosper. In Jesus' mighty name, turn to somebody as you're seated and shout, I'm blessed. Amen, amen. You may be seated all over the house. Uh, 
So today is the conclusion of the blessed series. If you're catching the last end of this, you need to go back and listen to a lot of it. I'm going to try to recap briefly here in the beginning to make sure that you're empowered. And truth be told, some of y'all, you need to hear it three times. Because you didn't get it the first nor the second time. But I want you to understand, so before I even teach and preach this morning, I want you to understand that this message is not about money. Turn to somebody and say, it's not about money. It's not about money. This message is more about revealing God's plan for your life. What is God's plan for your life? To be blessed. It really is. And I think it's cliche, and I'm going to be honest with you. I think even in the church world, like I kind of used to cringe, you know, when you see like the bumper stickers are like, blessed, too blessed to be stressed. And it's like, bro, like you're weird. And so what we find out, though, is that the blessing is not a sticker. The blessing is not bling-bling chains on our necks. The blessing is not, is not a license plate. The blessing of God is not something that we get. It's something that's been put on us. And see, in the ministry of, of Dominion Church, we talk a lot about a concept of original intent. So to really understand the fullness of something, you have to go back to when it was originally created or the law of first mentions to really discover God's design and plan and purpose for it. So here at Dominion Church, we call ourselves Dominion Church from the derived, from, derived from the scripture of Genesis 1, 26 through 28, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. But here's the problem. Before you can ever have dominion, you've got to understand it's the blessing of God that is on you that causes you to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. And I think a lot of times what we do is we try to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion, but we never come under the blessing of God and never activate the blessing of God. But what you got to realize this morning is you will never prosper without first coming into the realization that when God created you, he commanded you to be blessed. And so there's a, there's a poverty mindset that really has to leave us because what we find out is when Adam was, was created, he came and he came into a world and when he was in the world, he was ruling with his words. God said to him, he said, whatever you say, it'll be. Whatever you name it, it'll be. Somebody needs to grab that. Whatever you name it, it'll be. Some of you hate your spouse, you hate your job, you hate your kids, and God's saying, whatever you name it, it'll be. And what you're seeing is not the fruition of them, but you're seeing the fruition of your words because what you say is what you'll see. So God's original intent was for man to rule with his words, but instead what happened is they took a divine portion of God, the tree of all the, all the garden you can eat, but of this tree, don't, that's mine. So it's the one thing that Adam and Eve go and eat. You know, we all blame Eve, but the truth is really read your Bible and it says in Adam who was with her. <laughs> Y'all be like, them snaky women, all they ever do is be deceived. Nah, bro, he was with her. And so here Adam and Eve eat of the tree, and when they do, they consume what God said, don't. And now disobedience causes, watch this, a curse to come. Everything where they were was blessed. They were blessed. The ground was blessed. He was walking around. He's like, hey, rhino, and boom, rhino. Hey, banana, boom, banana. Hey, pine tree. Uh, and you know what I'm saying? Like, everything he said, he was seeing. That's what God said. Whatever you call it, see it, it'll be. But then when they fall, watch. God says, now cursed is the ground. But God didn't curse Adam and Eve. Catch that. Go back and read your Bibles. Because God can't curse what he's already pronounced blessed. But now he said, I'm going to curse the ground. Watch this. Now Adam and Eve are frustrated because they are living in a world that no longer responds to them. And what I preached in past weeks is some of you, what you're living in is the fruit of frustration because what you've done is you've been indulging in what God said, don't indulge. And now you're frustrated because your world quit responding to you and you're not getting things that you were originally getting. You're not walking in things you were originally walking in. Some of you business owners, you're frustrated because your business is not prospering like it is. I would ask you, are you eating God's portion? Because what you do when you consume God's portion is now you give legal right for what was supposed to be submissive to your voice. Now you give it permission to resist and not respond to you. Okay, the law of divine portion, we talked about that. But we find that God's plan is for man to be 
blessed. It really is. It, it, we really are commanded by God. When God made us, it says, and then he blessed them. That word blessed literally means empowered to prosper. Listen to me. It is God's plan for your life to be the head and not the tail, to be the lender and not the borrower. Deuteronomy 28, we're going to read it today. But God did not create anybody to be a beggar. Some of y'all are like, well, I just don't. Well, go to work. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, we're going to go all the way in. Some people ain't prospering because they would rather the government cut them a check and they're fully willing and able to get up and go to work and they wonder why God ain't prospering them. And the Bible said that you'll prosper as your soul prosper and a, a man that don't work don't eat. Now don't get me wrong, I ain't got nothing against disability to disabled folk. But if you ain't disabled, you collecting a check and you robbing not only the government, you robbing God. So this series is an understanding of God's original intent for us, that God created us, empowered us to prosper. And when God put his blessing on them, he gave them the empowerment to prosper, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. But none of this would have been possible without the blessing. But when God blessed them, he didn't call it a thing. Catch that. The blessing is not a thing. It is a pronouncement and a position. So you need to understand that when you say things like you're blessed and highly favored, you really are. You need to understand it's not a chain on my neck, a sticker on my car. That when the blessing of God, see Joseph wore a coat of many colors, it was favor. It got stripped from him, but catch this, they stripped the coat but couldn't take the favor. And some of you need to realize that when God put his blessing on you, it's like Joseph's coat. It may not look like I'm blessed, but you can't see what he already put on me and in me. See, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to do anything outside of the blessing of God. If I'm going to be a leader, I want to be a blessed leader. I want to lead from the portion of blessing. If I'm going to be a daddy, I want to be a blessed daddy. I want to operate in the office and position of daddy, blessed. If I'm going to be a business owner, I don't just want to be blessed. I want my business blessed. And if I get in the blessing of God, realizing that God has called me to be blessed, then everything around me will be blessed. If I'm going to sit at an interview table... You may be coming in with a lot more credentials and skills. You may be even more qualified. But let me talk to somebody and tell you, I've went into tables and there was others far more qualified, but I had the blessing on me. And they said, there's just something about you. We want you because it was the blessing of God. That's what the blessing, I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to operate outside of the blessing. I want to operate in a way that if God is for me, who can be against me? Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. And now, watch, watch, you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me. Now watch this. I want you to catch this last part. Even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Now watch. i got to break this part down for you. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing. The original text says pour out for you the blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground and nor shall the vine fall, fail to bear the fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Watch this. Genesis 1 and Malachi 3, the direct correlation. 
Adam and Eve take of the divine portion. God says, you can have all this, but this one thing is mine. Don't touch it. In other words, it's my portion. You can have the other 90% of the garden. This one tree is mine. It's the law of divine portion. God sends him into the city. He sends him into Jericho in the promised land. He says, you can have all the cities except this one city. This one city's mine. Don't touch it. It's the law of divine portion. He sends, uh, he, he, he equips tribes and calls them 12 tribes. He says, but this one tribe, the Levites, they're my tribe. You can't touch them and you, they're going to be used only for the temple. And, and so we see a concept of divine portion. God saying, you can have all this, but this is mine. Watch. God addresses in Malachi chapter 3, he tells him, he says, you you've been taking what is mine. Will a man rob God? Well, how have we robbed you, God? In tithes and offerings, it says. But watch, watch, because this ain't about getting your money. Because he said, watch and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out the blessing that there will not be room enough to contain it. Watch, that, that, that translation of the word blessing, who, who remembers what the word blessing is? What is it? Baraka, baraka. If you weren't here, I told a really incredible story about how powerful that word is. Go back and listen to it. It involves me in the bathroom and people listening from the hallway and thinking I was giving birth or dying. So anyways, so God says, he says, watch and see if I will not pour out the Hebrew word of that says baraka. Watch and see if I will not pour out the barakah. Now watch, you go to Genesis 1, and it says, and God barakah. It's an exact translation of, of, of barakah. So God's blessing in Malachi 3 is the same blessing in Genesis 1. And God is saying the reason why some of you are frustrated, the reason why you feel like you're losing out, is because you're taking what is mine, you're robbing me, and now the barakah, the fruitfulness, the multiplication, the subduing and filling the earth can't be because you've been robbing me of my portion. Okay, y'all quiet this morning, but it's all good. And he says in, in Malachi, he says, he says, you're cursed with a curse. Isn't it funny that when we take what is God's, it's cursed. Heard somebody say one time, I would rather have 90% blessed than 100% cursed. And so when we don't tithe, so tithe means 10th, we give God a tithe, this 10% of our income. We give it to God. What God in, in turn turns around and promises is that I'm going to bless the other 90. And see, the truth of it is, is a lot of us, we don't really trust God. See, we really don't because we trust Him for salvation. Man, it's amazing. We trust Him to heal our loved ones. Oh, I mean, how saved are you really, though? Are you really saved? Because, like, if we really trust God, then we'll trust God in every aspect of our life. And so when it even comes to the finances, that when we give to God, this is what we realize. We're not giving to keep the lights on. We're not giving to give the preacher some fat salary. We're not giving to, you know, uh, for expansion and building funds. When we give the tithe, we're giving it unto God and watch and see as God oversees those who receive the tithe to be good stewards. Don't you know that we'll be accountable for every dollar that's transactioned through this ministry? Every family that we decide to help and every family we don't decide to help. That's an extreme amount of pressure because what we are is we're stewards of God's finances as I'm talking ministry leaders and we got to decide how it's proportioned out. And so when we give that tithe, God says, watch and see now in Malachi 3, if I won't open the windows of heaven, pour out so much blessing that there will not be room to contain it. He says this, he says, bring it into the storehouse. I wanted to break down that word storehouse. You got to understand the storehouse is, and let me just I'll shoot straight. You know, I'm going to be, I got to talk to TV, our TV audience and to Facebook. You know what really bothers me is there's a lot of you that you sit at this table, you eat from this table, but you get up and you don't never put nothing back in the table. But every time you come here, you expect meat to be on the table. If I always showed up at my friend's house and I ate all of his food, I consumed all of his food, I took enough food home to give my friends and my family. Preachers, I'm talking to some of you that steal my sermons, that take these words and then preach them to your church, but you don't turn around and sew nothing back on the table. 
See, so what, what we got to realize, he said, he said, you bring the tithe that there may be meat in my house. And so what we realize is that where we eat, that's where we tithe. If you're not eating here, what are you doing here? That was a great putt on the par three. Glory to God. I'm serious. He, I just don't get fed when I get there. Bro, there's 396 other buffets in the county. Go belly up then. But bring your tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Now let me come for some of y'all. If you're eating but you're not contributing and tithing. I, I don't know. The church used to do a whole lot more. Yeah, let me tell you what. As the ministry's grown, so is the demands. And the, so guess what grows with demands? More, the need of more partnership. Maybe it's not doing what, it, what it's not doing, not because leadership, but because of you. I told y'all this message for home folk today. You a first-time visitor, don't worry. I don't swing every Sunday. You want to hear about Jesus' love? Come Wednesday or Sunday. We'll talk about it maybe then. But watch this in Malachi 3. i got to break this down. He says, watch and see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour you out the blessing. Right? Watch this. you got to understand something. That the tithe is a portion, but the offering is a seed. So a tithe is a tenth. So we give God our tenth, but then anything we give beyond that is called an offering. I'm helping church folk that have been just throwing 20s in the plate their whole life and then they get frustrated because they're like, it don't make sense. Also, let me put another disclaimer. I know I may sound like I'm everywhere this morning, but just so you know just how, how consumed we are financially as a ministry and how much we just, all we want to talk about is money. Let me tell you this. So we have a freestanding challenge. Because in Malachi 3, he said, test me now in this and see. So we want to be a ministry where people can come and test God. So here's what we've done. If you will take and tithe over the next 30 days, giving God a tenth, 10% of your income, at the end of that 30 days, if God has not met or moved in some kind of supernatural way, all you have to do is contact me or one of, one of, one of the pastors and let them know, and we will gladly, without question, refund you every documented dollar that you have given to the ministry in the last 30 days. Whoever, who, here's the moment. Whoever you sit next to, look at them do this. Be like, what do you got to lose? Slap me back. What do you got to lose? Everybody do that. What do you got to lose? Do you know why we can do that as a ministry? Because I am confident that God is not man that he shall even able, be able to lie. And I know that God watches over his word to perform it. And if he said, test me now in this and watch and see. Somebody say, see. You will see God move. He didn't say do it in 30 days, but I believe God honors that. I believe it's a measure of faith. We're saying, hey, God, we're going to be a ministry where they can test you. We just need you to do something significant in their life in 30 days. God says, bet. I got you. I'll do it. And I, I mean, I'm excited to report that in the year that we've been doing this, not one single time have we had one person come back and say, hey, hey, preach, I need, I need it back. And I mean, I celebrate that, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know. You know, there may come a day. Somebody just be like, meh. I wasn't blessed. I'm, 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 I'm going to believe that God's going to watch over his word to perform it. But watch this. It says, watch and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you don't have room to contain. You've got to understand something. To open something, that means it first has to be closed. And see, a lot of us are living in life frustrated. Watch, what does that? Tithes. A tithe opens the window. And some of you are living in your life financially frustrated, and here's the reason why. Because the window is above you, but it's closed. And God says that when we release what is in our hands, we give permission for heaven to throw open the windows and begin to pour out blessings that we don't even have room to contain. The last thing that I want to break down in Malachi is that word devour because he says not only will I throw open the windows of heaven but I will rebuke the devourer. 
I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I taught on this in the past, one of the past weeks. The word devourer means seed eater. And so the reason why some of you are frustrated, watch this. Because when you give and you give to God, and, and like these are people that genuinely mean well. They really do. Like they, they love God and they're like, man, I'm going to give. And you come and you give. And let's, I'm just using figures of numbers for people to understand. You give a $20 offering. Because if it's not a tenth, then it's not a tithe, so it's an offering. But here's the problem. Malachi 3 says that when we tithe, God will rebuke the devourer. See, the Gospel of Matthew records that a certain man went out to sow seed, and as he did, some seed fell by the wayside, and the bird came and ate the seed. That, that, the context of that scripture is talking about the word, but we understand that even finances are a are, are, are resemblance of seed, and since the foundation of the earth, seed time and harvest. And so here we find that when we sow seed out of alignment, that we give permission for the seed devourer to come and pluck the seed. Watch. Some of you are frustrated because God hasn't moved in your life, but what you really need to be frustrated with is the revelation that because what you've been doing is you've just been sowing offerings. Here's a 20, here's a 20, here's a 10, here's a 20, but it's not a tithe. And you're watching your seed be plucked up and you're never seeing the fruit of the seed and you're getting mad. It's not that God lied. It's that you sowed out of alignment. The Bible said, and some fell by the wayside. God says, but when you put a tithe in place, I'll rebuke the devourer. I'll stand over the garden and every offering you sow, when the enemy comes in, I'm going to shoo him off. I'm going to tell him you can't touch this. This is, the, this is, the, this is set apart. And so in the church world, you know, we say these things like, oh, it's tithe and offering time. And nobody really understands, like, what's tithe and what's offering? And my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And a lot of times we just do things out of formality. Let me tell you something. God never gave us anything just out of formality. Everything is on purpose. There are keys. Somebody say there's keys. He said, behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loosen on earth shall be loosened. What I am sharing with you is a, is a diagram of keys that if you'll take these things and put them in your life, watch and see if things that you need bound don't start getting bound up. And watch and see if things you need to get loose. Watch and see if they don't get loose. But you've got to take this instruction and implement it. You've got to work with it. Work the word. So here's the problem, though. What God addresses in Malachi 3, and this is my last message, and I'm almost done in it. Malachi chapter 3, here's the problem as I was studying through this that I really see. He says, not to a whole individual, but to a whole nation. He said, your whole nation. But here's, here's the thing, you know, biblically I understand. Everybody wasn't robbing God. There were people that were giving. There were people that were tithing. There were people that were doing what God asked them to do. But then God categorizes everybody under one stigma. See, in church world, we get mad, we'd leave. Like, imagine if I stood up here and some of you are partners and you tithe and you give, you serve and you do. And I was like, you bunch of thieves and robbers. And you're like, not me. And I'd be like, shut up. Yes, you are. God didn't say that. I, was, I said that. But it's like, it's a general classification. Watch, because I really need to break this down. We're going somewhere and then I'm landing this plane. See, as you study... It's not that the whole nation was robbing God, but God classified the whole nation under the curse. But there was a remnant of people that were being faithful. Let me show you something. 1 Corinthians 12. Watch this, watch this. This is good stuff. Here we go. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. And so also is Christ. So I want you, you know, just say this. Say someone sees, say, say this. Say God sees us as one. You need to understand that because watch. Ephesians 4 and verse 11. Let me break this down. I'm going somewhere. You're taking notes. Just write all this down. It'll all come together right here in a moment. 
And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. These are the gifts that Christ gave to his church. And for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning of craftiness of deceitful plotting. Verse, we're going all the way to 16, verse 15, thank you. But speaking the truth in love, watch us say, may grow up. In all things into him who is the head of Christ. Verse 16. And from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. What does all this have to do with being blessed? you got to understand, if we are the ecclesia, the church, the body of Christ, then God doesn't no longer look at us as singular. He looks us collectively as a whole. See, and I want to reiterate this part real quick. I'm talking to home folk this morning. Talking to church folk. Talking to people that you know, would say, hey, this is my church. Come with me to my church. Well, we're in your church. If you're not saved this morning, you're here, like we welcome you, we're excited you're here, just kick back for a minute, all right? Just chill out, you're good. I'm coming for church folk this morning. But Joshua leads a conquest into Jericho, and there's a small town by the name of Ai, and God says, don't take anything from it because they serve other gods, and their items are cursed. But there is a certain one single man, watch this, this is so good. One man by the name of Achan that goes into Ai and he takes some of the stuff. Matter of fact, he doesn't just take some of the stuff. The Bible records that he takes a Babylonian garment. Mm. See, if you study the Bible, you'll understand that Babylon is the spirit of the world. So here's a man that has the blessing of God. He is part of Israel's army. Everywhere they're going, they're watching like Egypt be, you know, taken out. They're watching, they're watching anything that comes against them be destroyed. You know, everything that's bread falling from the sky, quail, the biggest quail hunt you've ever seen in your life happen in the desert. Like he's, this people have seen this stuff and they're a blessed people. Where they're going, they're filling the earth, subduing it. And they're watching and seeing as the blessing of God is on them. But, but Achan goes into this little small town of Ai. It's like Pine Ridge in, in, in Hartsville. It's a small town in the city. Y'all laugh too much over that. All I was saying is, is here, it's like Timminsville. Some of y'all know what I did there. <laughs> so they go into this small city and Achan takes this Babylonian garment with him. Now watch, watch, watch. So he makes a decision in that moment to no longer be clothed with the blessing of God, but be clothed by the spirit of the world. See, and what unfolds next, I'm going to read to you in Joshua chapter 7, but we find all of a sudden death destruction and doubt begins to fill the camp. Why? Because somebody has taken something that God said, do not put your hand on. He began to clothe himself in something that he should have never taken. Now watch this, because the blessing ain't nothing you can put, put on or take off, but he forfeited the blessing and took a garment of the spirit of the world. See, and let me tell you what happens when we begin to rob God. Woo! What happens is we take what God has already commanded on our life and we're like, we're good. And we put on a Babylonian garment. It would have been shiny. It would have been colorful. But my God, it had no favor. It had no blessing. It had no supernatural divine empowerment. It looked good, but it wasn't going to last. 
Joshua chapter 7 and verse 1 says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding, regarding the cursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. What? Wait a second. I thought Achan took it, though. But the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. But I thought, I thought, I thought it was just Achan took it. Why is God not just mad at Achan? Hmm. One man took it, but God was mad at the whole nation. <laughs> you, say to, you say to us this morning, well, preacher, I'm doing my part. If the other people are going to mess me up, then what's the use? A lady went to meet with a pastor to leave the church. And she came in and met with the pastor. And she said, preacher, I'm just here. He said, I know why you're here. She said, well, I'm going to be leaving the church. She said, because, you know, the worship leader, he's a hypocrite. And that usher, all he ever does is lie. The nursery worker, they looked at me funny. So I'm, I'm just leaving the church. And the preacher said, that's, that's fine. You've got every right if you want to do that. But can you do one thing for me real quick before you leave? And she said, yeah, sure. Taking a glass of water, he filled a cup full of water. And he told her, he said, I'm going to make sure in order for you to leave the church, you can't spill one drop of that water and you got to walk around the sanctuary. So the lady began to walk. And as she walked, she didn't do what I just did and spill the water. <laughs> she began to walk and walk and walk and walk all the way around the sanctuary. When she got back to the preacher, she said, oh, all done. I guess I can leave. And the preacher looked at her and he said to her, he said, okay, but did you see the hypocrite? And she said, no. He said, but did you see the liar when you walked around the sanctuary? And she said, no. He said, what about that nursery worker that looked at you funny? Did you see her? And she said, no. He said, see, you didn't see them because you were focused on not spilling the water. And see, I came to tell somebody this morning that you can't do what you're called to do for anybody else other than you. If you focus on your water and I focus on my water. And so some of you say, well, I'm not going to do it, preacher, because, you know, so-and-so, I know they don't die. They were in the club last night. Quit spilling your water. You are carrying something and you can't get distracted. You can't get deterred and you can't lose focus of what God has put into your care. You do your part. I'll do my part and we'll let God figure out the rest. But we got to quit spilling water. Joshua 7, verse 5 through 12. It says, and the, man, and, the, and the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shibrim, and struck them down on the descent, and therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. And Joshua tore his clothes, he fell to the earth on his face, and before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads, and Joshua said, Alas, the Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its backs before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off your name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? So the Lord answered Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I have commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. And therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction, neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed things from you. So as I'm reading this, then it comes to me. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 9. You are cursed with a curse. 
comfort, you have robbed me, even this whole nation. There is an individual blessing. Come on, musicians, you can come. There is an individual blessing that comes when we obey God. Watch this. But there is a supernatural commanded corporate blessing that when the people of God get into unity of faith, where we all collectively together stand in agreement together, that we watch and see as the blessing of God is no longer just on me, but it's on the whole house. It's not just on you, but it's on everybody on your row because collectively we're not just a remnant. We are a whole nation of people. So here's my question to you, Dominion. If we're going to receive a not enough room blessing, what territories are we not taking simply because we're not collectively all in the unity of faith when it comes to God and our giving? Stand with me all over the house. See, I give tithes. I give offerings. Some of you say, I give tithes. I give offerings. And I think a lot of us do. But here's my question this morning. I won't ask you if you don't. Will you rob God? Here's here's another challenging question. Will you rob me? See, and there's a realization that God wants to pour corporate blessings into this house, but until we all get in the unity of faith and we're all in this thing together, I I shared last week statistically, did you know that only 13% of the body of Christ actually tithes? We've built hospitals, we've supported orphanages, we've sent missionaries, we've launched ministries, we've done all this stuff with 13%. Can you imagine what the body of Christ could do with the other 87%? I'll tell you what we would do. We would never have to go to another fundraiser. I thank God for the car show, but we wouldn't have to have it to help try to build a building. I thank God for food, but we wouldn't have to do plate sales. So here's my challenge to you this morning. Do you realize that when we don't stand in the unity of faith when it comes to giving, we're not just robbing God. We're robbing each other. Achan didn't move in obedience. And God didn't look at Achan. He looked at the whole nation. My God, I feel that. God pours out individual blessings. But I believe and I prophesy to you this morning by the Spirit of God, there is a corporate blessing that God wants to pour on this house. But that corporate blessing cannot come until we all work together in the unity of the faith. He's given us apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. That scripture is alive and active in this body. It's happening. Is it perfected? No, absolutely not. Thank God. Otherwise, I'd be able to go home and fish and hunt every day. But we're still waiting for some people to catch up. I want to quote what Deuteronomy 28 said. Now it shall come to pass that if you diligently obey. Now, now here's the thing. If you believe God for your salvation, you believed his word in John 3, 16, where he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believed on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Then you've got to believe this too. You have to. It's the whole counsel of God, front to back. Genesis to Revelation, 66 books. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these shall come upon you and shall overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed you shall be in the city. Blessed you shall be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the fruit of ground in the increase of your hands and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks blessed shall be your baskets and your kneading bowl blessed shall you be when you come in blessed shall you be when you go out and the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face they shall come out against you in one way and flee before you in seven ways 
The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouse in all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. And the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. And if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the peoples of the earth shall see the called by this name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of the ground, and in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. And, and the Lord will open to you his good treasures in the heavens. Malachi 3, open the windows. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in the season and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not 